In this episode of The Full Nerd, Intel's Comet Lake H and GeForce Super. Welcome to The Full Nerd. Oh, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 132, 133. Three. I see. I totally screwed that up. Uh, the good thing about doing this on the internet, you're seeing YouTube. This is live screw up. Adam will fix this in the one we publish on the website. Nope. So we're good. Nope. We're leaving it in. Welcome. <laughs> or, welcome to the Full Nerd episode 133. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co-host Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. Special guest, Mark Hockman. Hey, guys. And, of course, Adam Patrick Murray controlling the vertical and horizontal. It's true, with uh, hopefully a better mic setup today. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's, it's day, I can't even count anymore, day whatever of the apocalypse. That's right. Yeah. I'm, this is my, I was saying before the stream started, two days in a row now I've worn button-up shirts. That's how you know the freaking world is ending. <laughs> what goes next? So you just start wearing like um, dirty t-shirts? Uh, the uh, the white undershirts, I think. Oh, oh yeah, the white no. beater shirt. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but we got news. We have uh, the, the, the technology doesn't stop coming out, right? It does not stop coming out, and uh, Intel and AMD continue to exchange blows. The big news, of course, for this week is we are finally seeing Intel's 10th Gen Comet Lake H. Intel, of course, talked about this at CES a little bit, hinted it, yep. but now we're finally there. Mark's got all the news. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big week for news. I mean, first of all, we've had AMD come out uh, with its latest mobile Ryzen, and now we've had Intel say, all right, it's time for our turn as well. Now, um, what I mean, to be honest, um, AMD's mobile Ryzen is probably the most competitive chip we've seen in some time. Um, it's been, uh, it's made a great, it's made a pitch for being uh just competing strictly on performance as well as uh, uh, just across the board. Intel's basically saying that clock speed is the name of the game. Everything is still single threaded or uh, has a couple of threads for games. Um, and this H series chip is aimed at the gaming laptops, these big four and five and six pound beasts that we all pay a couple of thousand dollars for. And it's got six new chips. Uh, the Comet Lake H-series chips um, are what Intel claims to be the fastest mobile processors in the world. They're making that claim because not only are they at 5 gigahertz, but most of them go above 5 gigahertz. The ninth-gen core mm. chips we saw last year uh, topped out at 5 gigahertz. These actually top out at uh, 5.3 gigahertz, with most of them, like I said, actually at 5 gigahertz and above. Now... These are 10th gen chips. Um, however, they are 14 nanometer. Uh, I know the rest of the stuff, uh, usually 10th gen now equates to 10 nanometer, not in this case. Um, six chips. We're seeing um, everything from the Core i5 10300H at the bottom with a base clock speed of two and a half gigahertz, uh, going up to single core turbo frequency of four and a half gigahertz. All the way up to the Core i9 10980HK, which starts at 2.4 gigahertz and goes all the way up to 5.3 gigahertz. Um, at the bottom, we've got uh, four cores, eight threads. Uh, in the middle, we've got two chips with six cores and 12 threads. And the top, we've got eight cores, sorry, eight cores and 16 threads. We do have what Intel's calling a step up Core i7, um, the 1080. 10875H is a 2.3 gigahertz chip stepping up, scoring up to 5.1 gigahertz. 
of course, they can actually uh, overclock to a higher uh, uh, power level if necessary. You'll see on the um, if you go to our website or even if uh, Adam manages if if Adam can um, pop up the uh, the graphic, um, you're seeing the top four chips uh, boast Intel's thermal velocity boost, and this is a um, technology they've had before where it sort of interacts the chip interacts with sensors both on and die and in the laptop itself and if the uh, ambient temperature supports it it will overclock they've done a little bit more they've become a little bit more aggressive this time around um before i think it topped out at uh was it 65 degrees c um now it goes up to Sorry, it goes up to um, 85 degrees. In this case, it goes up to 85 degrees C. Uh, 5.3 gigahertz at 85 degrees Celsius. 5.2 at 65. Sorry, 5.3 at 100 degrees Celsius. 5.2 at 85 and 5.1 at 65 degrees Celsius. Um, Again, they're being a little bit more aggressive in terms of overclocking there. Um, the other question, the other issue to talk about in overclocking is the fact that, again, we have one unlocked chip at the top of the heap. Again, the 10980HK, uh, that's truly unlocked. The Core i7-10850H is partially unlocked, and that gives you, I think they said four speed bins, so 400 megahertz um, gives you that uh, potential upclock that, to um, overclock that uh, by four speed bins. Um that's the chips itself. Um, we can talk about performance, or if you guys have any thoughts right now, we can we can talk about those. Yeah, I was surprised that they actually broke out uh, so much detail on the you know thermal velocity boost, which is yeah, based, you know, if the CPU is cool enough, you actually mm-hmm. get decently higher clocks. So it I, looks I, good. I like I it's was very granular. Looking at that, it that it can maintain over. F- it it says in the article that. At 100 degrees, it can still get to 5.1 gigahertz, and that's mm-hmm. I was really surprised to see that. You, I'm surprised they're pushing clocks hard. They are, yeah. Pushing every single there's. It feels like, you know, they sort of saw this moment coming with you know, Mobile Ryzen, and they they basically have prepared for this this chip to to counter it. So that, those that's real. I just it's it's really aggressive. On those those clocks and those temperatures for a yeah. laptop. Yeah, <clears throat> there's also a couple of interesting tools that um, they're talking about we haven't seen. Um, they were talking about Intel's performance maximizer before, uh, where we saw that at Computex, which was essentially uh, software that sort of ran the chip uh, at tests over and over to sort of determine what were the best cores and the fastest cores and how fast you could actually overclock this. Apparently, there's going to be something new in this. Um, I think I haven't heard of it before. Intel Speed Optimizer. Uh, it's new for the 10th gen H series processors. It's said to take, let's see, it says to take advantage of power delivery and thermal headroom within a given chassis or design. So it's a one click overclocking feature. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work, but that's something that they're touting in addition to this that, you know, I don't necessarily know anything about at this point in time. Yeah. You know, think, the way I take, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I think that's a good idea uh, specifically for these mobile parts because there's similar one click overclocking tools for desktop cpus and gpus and they're good and all if you just want to play around but really that's you know a desktop processor or desktop graphics card you'd know what power in you know airflow it gets to it but it really varies laptop to laptop so i think that could actually be super useful for people who want to get more yeah and it's also i think uh very useful because uh laptop vendors 
don't tend to optimize is, you know, they don't all optimize as well as you would, you would think they might, they may not actually want to actually push it to the margin. Uh, so this tool from Intel gives someone who buys one of these laptops that supports it an easy way to get a little more clock speed out of it by doing that odd overclock. And, and I will say, if you go on the internet and you look at videos for reactions to that overclocking tool, I think a lot of people didn't understand the purpose of it because mm-hmm. ha- a hand-tuned overclock is always better. This was simply a tool for the person who bought an unlocked CPU and was never going to hand overclock it. So they just ran it and they at least got some overclock out of it. And it was really, really super clever because uh, I just want to insert this little bit of info. It would, it would actually boot to uh, its own OS, do the testing, do the stress testing to, to determine how far that, that CPU could be overclocked in that platform. And then it would go back to windows once it found a safe place. That's great because a lot of hand overclocking, once in a while, you will corrupt everything in Windows. It's rare, but you can do it. So you really don't want to do the overclocking, go back into the OS, blow everything up. So that tool is really meant for normal people that just want to try it. And I think it got a bad rep from a lot of people that misinterpreted what, what its purpose was. Yeah, it might have. I'm always, always interested to see how many people actually overclock a laptop. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, it, it, for me, I like a quiet PC environment. Um, but, you know, I guess if you're wearing a headset and gaming, it really doesn't matter. You know. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, because I, I do wonder who's going to honor the warranty on it. Um, uh, typically, with when you do an overclock, you're the one who's supposed to be responsible for blowing up your hardware. Right. You blow up a three or four hundred dollars CPU, you feel pretty bad. You blow up a two thousand dollar laptop, you're going to feel really, really bad. So it is, it is a risky gambit by Intel as well, right? So, since it's a one click overclock. I would expect Intel doesn't want you blowing up your laptop either. Right. So it's not going to go as hard as those manual clocks will go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, yeah. at the same time, we do also live in a world where people will say, buy a brand new laptop and then repaste it with liquid metal. You know, so. Well, it supports Optane memory. They all support Optane memory. I mean, this has been a sort of a, a, a key platform uh, enhancement for Intel for the past couple of generations. Um, I'm not really sure <laughs> if Optane is is widely used, but it's certainly there. Yeah, and I will say it's mostly used. You'll see it in a lot more lower cost laptops, mm-hmm. uh, sort of mid range. Uh, I actually think I run H10 in some laptops, and it's actually. I think a great technology, but I do think a lot of the motivation for it is Intel is trying to get that in front of customers. So they're bundling like, hey, you you buy H10, we'll give you a good price on it. They really do want to get Optane out there. So, but, but most of these do support it and all you really need is bio support that sure. supports because it is a strange sort of RAID drive in a way. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess let's talk performance now. So basically what Intel is saying, Intel is obviously you know, for the last couple of, well, last few months, Intel strongly believes, Intel's got as far as real world applications are concerned. So, you know, if you're looking for the typical sort of Cinebench uh, benchmarks that we usually use to compare processors, they aren't there. Um, Instead, we've got Intel's sort of nebulous i guess sort of performance comparisons i mean you know they want you to buy a new pc so it's all about the old three-year-old pc um and there's 
they do say that there's, you know, they give us gaming performance comparisons. I'm just going to rattle off some numbers taken with a grain of salt. I mean, um, they say that the new Core i9 is 44% faster than the Core i7 70H20HK, which is three years old. Twice as fast in Blender, 33% faster. Sorry, the Core i7 10750H is 33% faster in Sysmark. 44% faster in gaming than the same VC. I mean, there's a lot of numbers here if you want to look at them. Um, what they're talking about in terms of uh, gaming advantages is they're looking at, so there's, they've made two comparisons. One is the Core i9 versus the older, older Core i7, which at the time, the seventh generation part didn't have a Core i9 attached to it. So they, it's probably the most direct comparison is what they're saying with the Core i7 7700HQ, the three-year-old part, versus the Core i7 10750H. And they've given us some numbers. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey in 1080p high, 44% faster. Uh, Total War Three Kingdoms Dynasty in 1080p high, 38% faster. F1 2019, 1080p high, 38% faster. And World of Tanks on Core, 1080p high, 31% faster. And that sounds great. Um, however, of course, you know, late last night, they gave us the configurations. And, you know, these aren't apples to apples comparisons, um, as a reader pointed out to me this morning. Um, They've got in the 10980HK system, they've got an NVIDIA RTX 2080 Super. And in the 1070, sorry, 10750H system, uh, the um, in the Core i7-7820HK system, the older part, they've got a GeForce GTX 1080. So, you know, again, That's you're seeing, yeah, go ahead, Brad. That's not, not even close to apples to apples. No, it's not. It really isn't. <laughs> so, it's it's yeah. really hard though, but that gets to the point. It's hard to make these comparisons yeah. if you're. They're just trying to push, you know, CPU increase, I guess. But you can't really do that because, as we talk about so much on the show, laptop, like you got it. It's the whole system, man. You can't decouple CPU from GPU. So, right, it's hard for them to make that point effectively. I wish it was a little bit more clear in that slide, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it is also. I think it, Intel does have an f- interesting point too that they're kind of pushing, um, and, and that is all of these high-end laptops are all Intel-based, so it's you know still better, right? You, mm-hmm. you you're going to get how do you? It was the best you, at the time versus the best at the time now. That's yeah, right. yeah. I mean, the one thing that we are seeing. I mean, they did uh, in the in the session that we were in. Somebody asked about gen over gen comparisons to the core, or sorry, the um, the ninth gen stuff they introduced, um, and they did say we're gonna. They expect to see double digit performance improvements. Um, you know, obviously there's some wiggle room there too, but that's at least some information. And in fact, if you, I guess if you look at sort of like the Cinebench R15 graph that uh, Gordon put together for the uh, uh, the night, uh, you know, Intel. Uh, the Ryzen uh, 4900HS, I mean, you could tack on 10% to some of those scores and sort of just do a back-of-the-envelope calculation as to what you might expect from these new chips. But, um, you know, keep in mind that Intel's parts are 45 watts. Uh, the Intel Mobile Ryzen, a 35-watt part. So, um, you know, we're talking about some, you know, competition in terms of performance. But, you know, really... Um, sort of an edge if you started looking at performance per watt. Uh, I mean, that's still, that's still, I still give the edge to rise in that regard. Um, it's going to be so, interesting because these were the, the HS lower watt, 35 watt parts for AMD. So we haven't even seen their 45 watt part. Yet. No, we haven't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're calling it a rise of nine, but it's a 35 watt part, right? 
Yeah, the HS is, uh, you know, I think, uh, what is it? Um, the S is for slim. So H is for, you know, high wattage part and then slim. And it's 35 watts. It is essentially, on the Ryzen 9, it's the only one that there's a difference between the H part, the standard part. The clocks actually go up on the standard Ryzen 9 H part. HS, lower clocks, the Ryzen 7, Ryzen 5, they're exactly the same clocks, but lower TDP. So, Yeah, these will, I mean, Intel's, I mean... I typically regard the H series as a gaming processor. They do say that they're going to expect to have a hundred designs in the market and 30 of those are going to be quote unquote thin and lights, um, which I think is under, I want to say 19 millimeters, 14 millimeters, not call super, super thin, but thin. I mean, you saw those ninth gen parts and things like the MacBook pro uh, and the Dell precision 15. So I guess we'd expect to sort of see the same thing for this generation as well. Yeah, but you know, a lot of compromises. These, I, I do wonder. In the, we we won't know until we get enough laptops in, and then we can test it. But I I do wonder how well this part will will test under those circumstances because you put in a laptop, a thin laptop with mm-hmm. a hot GPU, and and then you're comparing that to a Ryzen part that's arguably more power efficient. And you would think the advantage would would go to AMD at that point. So. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I mean, good. there's some. Sorry, uh, I was no. going to say there's there's some things here that I mean, you know, keep in mind too. AMD's, you know, AMD's offering integrated graphics. Intel is not. Uh, these parts are designed for discrete GPUs, and you know, I think um, you know with the the Ryzen 4K, you know, we were seeing some uh, thermal uh, balancing between the GPU and the CPU. Um, that's something that AMD can do because it owns both parts. I mean, Intel can't really do that unless it has some sort of um, smart connection with an external gpu and as far as i know that just doesn't exist in this generation so oh we'll talk about that in the next section okay okay yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good although i so i do have a good question though because i mean in some ways it's like yeah common lake h is sort of like yeah uh, we've seen 14 nanometer meter before you know coffee lake h it's a very good part uh, if you can keep it cool enough mm-hmm. but this is maybe what feels like 10 percent ish kind of maybe like that's as you're saying. saying yeah so maybe 10 I mean, percentage but it, it does keep, it does feel like it's sort of, we're fighting that battle again that we sort of saw on desktop where 9900K versus you know, comparable Ryzen 7, uh, Ryzen 9. And uh, Intel always sort of had that higher clocks and they still now are pushing that higher single thread, two thread, three thread up ahead of Ryzen. So it's not a that bad for gaming because i mean higher clocks higher you know it definitely does benefit gaming so mm-hmm. um quickly talk about i suppose we should talk about the platform i mean we've got a new chipset here um the hm470 which replaces the hm370 um 40 pci 3.0 lanes 16 of them hanging off the cpu i know we talked a little bit about that in slack but uh gordon you were impressed by this but uh, i think brad and i kind of felt like pci express wasn't as necessary in a laptop well i i actually thought it was kind of funny because during that briefing they're like look we we give you 40 pcie lanes (laughs) and it's just funny because on on desktop it's always sort of been reverse where amd's like we give you like 10 million pcie lanes intel's like oh you don't need all that but on mobile you need more PCIe lanes because uh, there is, you know, possibly seen as a spec limitation on Ryzen, on current Ryzen 4000 mobile parts. Mm. It's a by eight to the GPU instead of a by 16 that you're getting out of Intel. And there's a total of 12 lanes for all your stuff while hanging off the South Bridge. Intel saying, 
16 for your GPU plus another 24 for all the Yorkshire junk off of the South Bridge. We got more PCIe lanes than, you know, than AMD. I just thought it was a, a funny reversal of fortune where they, they both will take opposite directions depending on how much better they are in a certain spec. So. Well, one of the things they do offer, of course, is Thunderbolt 3. And we're seeing uh, we have two controllers off this chipset. So we have two controllers, which equals two con- two ports off each controller. So total of four Thunderbolt 3 ports. Um so I think we, we saw that sort of a, with Ice Lake where we saw ports coming off either side. You're going to see this for, for this generation as well. I mean, it, it's conceivable, I think, that we might see sort of this generic USB 3 port or sorry, USB-C port go away uh, in favor of a true Thunderbolt connection off of both sides of the of the laptop, which I think would be great. Um, you know, for, for me, I mean, one of the things that I've done with um, is just you know, look at some of these USB-C hubs that people use and... I run a 4K display uh, and a 1080p display off my home setup, which I'm working off now. And I would prefer to have two 4K just because it just looks nicer. (laughs) Um, And the difference between Thunderbolt and the USB-C in terms of the, the, the bandwidth, it seems, is that uh, you get with uh, USB-C, you can run a pair of 4K displays, but you can only run them at 30 Hertz, which is, you know, kind of, poor for Garbage. anything except for web yeah, exactly except for web browsing uh thunderbolt gets you to 4k 60 um and i think that's that's really uh the difference as far as i'm concerned i mean you get esoteric sort of unique uh exotic technologies like external gpus and you know high performance storage arrays and things like that but for me thunderbolt is just basically you know thunderbolt equates to good displays basically is, is the way i see it um and of course you know it's supposedly an open spec, right? But uh, you know, Thunderbolt's sort of pretty much an exclusively an, an Intel part or an Intel technology at this point in time. Um, you know, and so then far. You got, on laptops anyway. On laptops, anyways, yeah. And then uh, you've got uh, Wi-Fi six, uh, the Gig Plus stuff hanging off this as well, which is probably you know it's useful. I mean, I I, I think there's always a good enough standard for for performance, and I, I I'm happy with the wi-fi whatever that i have on my laptop but yay you know more streams more bandwidth i guess that's good for everyone as well uh, we do have a, a particular question from uh from dennis about uh memory configurations uh, uh especially right. for this new chipset yeah we didn't talk about that actually there is an improvement here as far as the memory support uh we've got two channels yeah, 2933 versus, I have to go back and look because I always forget, uh, 2966, I think it was the word, 2666 on the old uh, older ninth gen parts. So yeah, definitely a step up in that. Um, and I think they validated 64 gig configurations too. So you're right. Yep. Sodiums are, are sort of out there now, kind of. Yep, yep. So definitely improvements in more memory technology as well. Uh, and how, how does that uh, compare to Ryzen 4000? Uh, yeah, uh, so Verizon 4000, they support DDR4 as well up to very high clocks. And it, I don't think Common Lake H supports LP DDR4X. I don't think that makes a lot of sense, though, because, you know, price premium, you're paying a huge price premium for LP DDR4X. Maybe not worth it on most kind of thick laptops. I'm going to guess it doesn't have that support because that's what that was baked into Ice Lake, the Ice Lake. Uh, uh, memory controller, so probably not in Common Lake. So LP DDR3 for some weird laptop configuration, and then probably you know DDR4 only for Common Lake. That'd be my guess. Oh, I'm, we're talking about Ryzen though. For Ryzen, they do LP DDR, and they also do uh, DDR4 because 
it's the same chip for the U and the H. And, you know, most thin two and a half, three pound laptops, you want LPDDR4. Most gaming laptops, everybody goes for DDR4 because it's just cheaper and you get more. So what's the best Comet Link H laptop to buy right now? Oh, boy. It's you know, something I, I wanted to bring up before you hop into that. Is, oh, sorry. It's right into that topic. Uh, to me, the difference, we keep comparing Ryzen and Intel while we're having this discussion. Uh, Ryzen, the Asus G14 looks amazing. There were a handful of other announcements. Uh, Intel NVIDIA teamed up for this new thing. Their, their announcements were coincided simultaneous. They teamed up, launched it all at the same time. They're expecting like a hundred different laptops. Like they, this is far and wide. This is a big launch. And yeah. I just, I think that's worth pointing out. Like Ryzen's looking great, but it's still very much the underdog as far as support from laptop makers. Like everyone's coming to party with this. Yeah. And then I think Intel was also saying they expect a hundred designs too, based on common mm-hmm. linkage. Yep. So I've been saying it's very much a shock and awe campaign from Intel and NVIDIA on these parts. And, Although I guess in, NVIDIA doesn't say specifically these super Max-Q parts will be purely Intel, but I'm going to guess a lot of them will be. The overwhelming uh, amount will be. Just yesterday, we ran stories on no less than, I think, 11 uh, Comet Lake H laptops. And I think there's another one from HP that came in late. So there's 12 Comet Lake H laptops were just announced that will probably be on sale, if not the end of this month by next month and comparing that to Ryzen 4000 you have the awesome uh, ROG Zephyrus G14 from Asus and then there's also a budget uh, G5 from Dell that's pure AMD AMD uh, graphics AMD Ryzen 4000 and then the others are used so I haven't seen any other Ryzen H class laptops being launched so uh, Intel is clearly ahead right now in actually getting these laptops announced and that will yep. soon be for sale. So. So back to Mark's question, what are some of the most interesting ones you think? Oh, you know, what's interesting is they were all, they all were very different. Like uh, the, the arrow 17 from gigabyte has a, an HDR 17 inch screen. The Razer, of course, you know, the MacBook of PCs is uh, has an OLED panel. It has, you know, both supers. It has 10th gen. Uh, it also has uh, a UHS, UHS 3 SD card reader for people who are really into their high-speed, you know, SD cards. And a lot of the, if you take your high-speed SD card and put it into most of the UHS 2 and, and slower laptops, it's not that fast. You had, uh, gosh... MSI had GE66, uh, GS, uh, and the GS66. And to me, the most interesting one from MSI is, is, is their Creator 17, which has a 4K, you know, UHD 4K mini LED screen. And their specs say, you know, it's a full HDR 1000. So it meets the, you know, VESA display for HDR 1000. And their own, their actually own spec sheet says, It'll hit 1150 odds, 1150 nits or something like that. It is just going to be a spectacular screen. I'm going to guess when it comes out. And MSI's, yeah, we're we're going to be able to sell this. Uh, you can uh, use that on the plane and close your, you know, the window seriously. shutter and still keep everybody around you awake. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it'll be the first laptop with a a, a mini LED 
panel on the market. Mini LEDs are probably expected to eclipse OLEDs in a lot of way because it's as it gets cheaper, it has some advantages over OLED. It has some disadvantages over OLED. But one is like I'm not seeing too many 17-inch OLEDs in, in a laptop. So uh, who am I leaving out here? That's MSI. Oh, and the GS66, um, I'm actually very interested in because previously the GS65 that we've seen, the Stealth, it had up to a six-core Core i7-9750H. And then you had up to, you know, RTX, high-end RTXs to RTX 2060. I'd never seen the GS66, you know, 4.4, 4.5-pound laptop with an 8-core part. MSI saying we're going to put an 8-core, you know, Core, I, Core i7 in this, I believe. Or no, 8-core Core i9 in this laptop. So it'll be a real test to see how well the thermals on on this new 10th gen part holds up in a very limited, you know, size laptop with a fat GPU as well. Uh, who am I leaving out? HP has an Omen that came Speaking in last. My, did you mention oh, the Predator Triton? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and Predator, Acer Predator Triton, which has a, they're, they're saying, Hey, we got a 2.5 giggy Ethernet using a killer, killer Nick part. If you're interested in that. And then for gigabyte, they have their, they came out with uh, arrow and, uh, Oris models. Uh, Oris apparently is the big the thing for gamers. I didn't realize this because it has an Omron mechanical keyboard. And I tried this at CES, a previous version. And actually, I, I really thought it was a really good mechanical keyboard experience. I've tried that before. And it's just like, uh, you really couldn't even tell it was a mechanical keyboard. And this one actually is like, yeah, it actually... It, it, it felt like a real mechanical keyboard that you would be happy with in a laptop. And then, of course, Aero is is sort of pushing that NVIDIA creator thing. And they're, they're just lightweight, you know, OLED panels and HDR panels in the Aeros. And I apologize if I left anybody out, I think. Uh, and then, of course, is that everybody? They're just like, they're just like, again, shock and all. Everybody came to party. Mm-hmm. Everybody came to party. All these laptops. Oh, Lenovo. Lenovo has something, which is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about soon as well. Uh, Lenovo has an H-Class Cotman Lake laptop with NVIDIA's new Advanced Optimus. Did I get that name right, Brad? Yes, sir. Advanced, okay, I got that. It'll be the first that we know of with Advanced Optimus. So that lets you that gives you the best of both worlds, basically. So it's just like a, every single feature, 2.5 gig E, OLEDs, mini LEDs, all this kind of coolness, you know, on all these Intel Common Lake H laptops. The thing uh, that I gets me, yeah, uh, I was going to say the thing that gets me about these things is I always consider to be my external monitor to be better than what I get in a laptop. Like if I want to go ahead and game off it, I'll go ahead and you know kick it out to my 4K display. Boy, I mean, you know, looking at like the Predator Triton 500. I mean, a 300 hertz panel. I mean. That's one of the oh, yeah. few laptops I'd consider just going ahead and just like turning off my external panel. And then the one that's giving you what over a thousand nits and so forth. I mean, these are, these are great displays in what I would normally consider to be sort of, I wouldn't consider it to be an afterthought, but I usually consider the CPU and the GPU to be sort of the, the selling points for these things. But man, the panels on these things are outstanding. Yeah. And then I, I could, I could comfortably say that I, again, I was impressed by, by, by Ryzen 4000, that G14, it's just amazing. I love that laptop. At the same time, if you, I was talking to a, a person on YouTube, like this thing, I, this thing sucks. It's light. I need 17 inch screen, right? So 
yeah, you as much as Ryzen 4000 is awesome, it's a whole package you're buying. So if you want a 17-inch mini LED or you want an OLED, if you want UHS-3, if you want 300 hertz panel, and those Ryzen laptops aren't out yet, then, you know, buying Intel is not a mistake. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Ryzen is obliterated Intel, but... Even if they're ahead, I think you, you're buying the whole package. And if the, you want a mechanical keyboard, you want all these other features. And the performance is close enough. It may be louder. It may be hotter. You know, you sort of have to go with the keyboard screen and all this other stuff that you may like. Thunderbolt 3, that mm-hmm. Intel's going to be offering, that AMD doesn't really have. Uh, unless you just want, like, that G14 is awesome for all kinds of performance in a three and a half pound laptop, that thing is just spectacular. Yeah, that was the thing. I edited a lot of these articles that Gordon and Mark were putting out, uh, and going through looking at all these laptops, it was just amazing to me just how different and varied they are. Because a lot of we've been seeing that more and more these days, but in previous generation launches, it's like okay, the Razer Blade came out; it's the same as it was. It just has a faster CPU and a GPU. Okay, and now here's this new Acer; it's the exact same thing, just has a new CPU and GPU. And this one. Everyone had its own unique story to tell, which I love. I love, I'm a big fan of options and I haven't seen a launch like this. I was yeah. just stepping yeah. back and appreciate Yeah. It's not just everybody, every single laptop, just a different color with the same CPU and GPU. Right. These yeah. are all very different choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, some big batteries, some small batteries. We, we do have a, a couple questions from the chat. Uh, <clears throat> people are pointing out that a, a Nantech, a Nantech says that a thermal velocity boost on the I9 requires 135 Watts to run at full throttle uh do we know anything more about that or like what kind of heat that's going to put out well it's going to be a lot and you got to remember you know boost is very short amounts of time maybe it hits five three four microseconds you yeah. know I mean, a lot of times most applications you're not need more but you're not going to sit there and do a and one hour encode at 5.3 gigahertz all core. That's that's not going to happen. We also had, there are also several briefings. And I know that I, at least in the, the briefing that Gordon and I were in, <clears throat> that question wasn't asked um, or that point wasn't made. So, I mean, I don't deny that that's actually true. It's just that's something that didn't come up in our briefing. Yeah. And, you know, the Intel has, I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, how all the boosts and how all the TDPs work and all these laptops and desktops. I mean, clearly the Intel CPUs have been exceeding their whatever 95 watt or 85 watt TDP for a long time, but Mm -hmm. that's by intention. It's not like it's, it's just simply the definitions probably should change of, of how this is, this works. But yeah, no, you're not going to run this thing at, at (laughs) 5.3 all day. No. And most likely from everything I saw out of that Ryzen 4000, I, I think, you know, again, I haven't, I can't talk about any Comet Lake testing, I, and I haven't seen an i9, but I'm going to guess it's, it's going to be really close. You know, you're probably going to give, you know, single-threaded low light loads to Intel because of the high clocks, and then you're probably going to give AMD all-core performance, and AMD will have a bigger advantage in smaller, lighter laptops. Intel won't be as constrained by big 8-pound laptops as much, so... One thing that jumped out to me reading Mark's article, uh, I mentioned it this morning uh, in Slack, uh, Intel hasn't actually tested at least the the Core i7 high-end part That's because right. with everything going on you know, worldwide these days, they haven't been able to test it themselves 
in Finnish laptops. So it's not just us. Even Intel was not able to provide yeah. actual testing numbers for it. There's one thing I forgot to mention, too. I guess we haven't really talked about it, and it's not really an issue with a gaming laptop. But it is battery life, I guess, uh, uh, Intel seeing and some Intel's. First of all, we've talked about sort of just the ability to sort of overclock um, and you know, some of these these additional features like these 300 hertz screens. Intel's talking about um, turning some of that functionality off to preserve battery life if you want, if you actually are in a situation where you need a, a gaming laptop with long battery life. Um, so they're seeing, I just one point they've mentioned, and who knows what they've seen, but they did say they, uh, they did see they saw something like, let me order, I think it was 20 or 22 hours of battery life uh, in their lab. So Again, we don't know what conditions those are under. Those are video rundown conditions, but they're, you know, big laptops can have a bag, big battery inside of them if they want. Um, and again, if you dial down all these other features, yeah, I mean, I guess you could get some uh, long battery life out of it if you wanted as well. You know, one last thing I want to mention, I think you talked about it earlier, uh, Mark, but the two Thunderbolt controllers, right? So right. like up to mm-hmm. four Thunderbolt three four ports. ports on a laptop. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's, that's actually kind of cool. Oh, I like it. Way. Yeah. I mean, again, just be, just there are some laptops that I've seen more in the budget space, but sort of mix and match USB 3 and USB 3.1 and USB-C and so forth. I hate that. I mean, I hate having to sort of look at those stupid little logos and figure out which port is going to give me better bandwidth than the other one. So, I mean, if we can just go away from that, I'm, you know, that's, 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 that's big for me. Yeah. Or we get to USB 4 right. and USB-C, but that's, yeah. who knows when that's going to show. Just, I, I kind of wonder, doesn't, that seems like a feature made for Apple. Do they already have a four Thunderbolt port laptop? <laughs> no, I forget if theirs has four. Does MacBook Pro has two and two, or is it one and one? I I forget. But it seems like a very Apple like feature. Or we're probably not the the best crowd to ask. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't know. Somebody else tell us. Uh, but what we do know is more about new Nvidia laptop parts. Yeah. We, we should probably move over to there. We do actually, and actually. NVIDIA and Intel work together, apparently, nobody said out loud, but they all have their announcements embargoed for the exact same launch time, so they clearly work together for this. Uh, and a lot of the questions that we were just bringing up during this coming like H part are answered or alleviated somewhat by some of the new features found in these NVIDIA GPUs, which I find really interesting. Uh, so, real quick before you get into it, uh, somebody had asked this earlier uh, uh, about the... Uh, how how the embargo is coming out on both and the the information and stuff. Uh, does that does that mean that a lot of these high end new super cards are going to be only in Intel laptops? Uh, no. Someone asked me this on Twitter actually. Uh, in his briefing, Nvidia said that these technologies, everything going on, will work just fine with Ryzen processors as well, including one called Dynamic Boost that we're going to talk about that involves communicating with the CPU so they do some trade offs. Uh, that's also going to work in Ryzen parts. So they do fully support Ryzen chips. There were no Ryzen announcements that NVIDIA made, at least. Intel certainly didn't make any Ryzen announcements. But, I mean, this is a concerted effort from, the, obviously, Intel and NVIDIA. So I'm not surprised to hear neither really, you know, spearhead too many Ryzen announcements during it. But, yeah, there's actually quite a bit of news there is price drops, there are new GPUs, and there are technological changes. Uh, it's kind of a lot to get to, actually. It's not just new RTX Super GPUs. I do want to talk about that first, because that's the easiest, quickest thing to bang out. So, you know, we haven't had Super graphics in laptops yet. Now we do. 
There's a 2070 Super and a 2080 Super. Uh, they have the exact same CUDA core counts, the exact same shader counts, through the exact same GPUs is what you'll find in desktops. Just like all NVIDIA mobile parts, they are clock lower and have a lower power draw. You take less energy. So, hey, they're here. That's what all these laptops that we're talking about, that's what they're offering, the 2080, 2070 Super GPUs. Uh, the, the original 2080 is going to be going away, uh, being replaced by the 2080 Super. The 2070 is going to stick around because NVIDIA is also rejiggering the pricing for its whole lineup. They don't ever talk about actual pricing for laptops to us because we don't buy the graphics chips that go into laptops. But NVIDIA says that there are going to be price reductions across the board for gaming laptops. Where are we at? Let me scroll down a bit. All right. So starting at the bottom, uh, we're going to start seeing GeForce GTX 1650 GPUs starting at $700, which is a price that we've seen before for that class of laptop, but only on sale. So I guess the new starting price for that, we'll start seeing laptops coming out at 700 bucks, which, you know, 1650 is not the most wondrous part, uh, but it'll get the job done. 700 bucks is a damn fine price for a gaming laptop. Apparently, it's not in my article. NVIDIA never mentioned it to me. I've seen in some other articles around the internet. I don't know what the mix-up there was. There's also going to be a 1650 Ti, a new introduction chip, uh, that basically looks like the exact same thing as the 1650, but with a higher power draw. So you'll get some more performance out of it because it can, you know, hit higher clocks and stuff like that. But basically the same chip. Uh, that's me going off some some reports I read this morning because Nvidia never mentioned that to me and didn't mention it during the video. But hey, there you go. Uh, the really, really interesting part when it comes to the price cuts is now there's going to be a whole lot of gaming laptops with uh, RTX 2060 inside for $9.99. So... $9.99 is kind of the sweet spot for gaming laptops. Lots of $1,000 laptops are sold before you would have to spend, you know, significantly more than that for an RTX 2060 laptop. A lot of them were like $1,400, $1,500. You can get them a bit cheaper on sale, like $1,100 or $1,200 on sale. Now there's going to be a bunch starting at $9.99, including the Acer 5, the ROG G512, the HP Omen 15, a lot more. So that's really exciting. You're gonna be able to get ray tracing in a laptop for under a thousand bucks. So that's great. Uh, the 2070 is still sticking around because it's gonna pop into that place where the 2060 used to be. Hmm. So you'll be able to find 2070 laptops around the twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollar price point, right around there. And then moving past there, the 2070 Super and 2080 Super are gonna be in all these ultra expensive new laptops that we were just talking about. <laughs> So there's that. There's the price cuts. There's the new new parts. It's all very straightforward. Something that's actually super cool. Uh, this is even though like the RTX 2060, the 2070, the GTX 1650, and the GTX 1660 Ti are still sticking around. This is actually in these new laptops. These are new versions of them that have more advanced Max Q technology that we're going to get to in a second. Uh, but they also, going forward, every RTX laptop, NVIDIA says, will also have 144 hertz screen option available. So if you get one of those $999 2060s, 
it might not have 144 hertz screen, but you will have the option to buy one for more money at the very least. So going forward, every RTX laptop, you can get them blazing fast. That's, I love that. That's cool that they're able to push that through. I thought that was like going to be like a standard feature requirement, but it's, oh, you, it's basically you can spend more money if you want to. So that's, yeah, but that's cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a video that, you know, it does some video using its gigantic force, but I should be like, hey, we want to start seeing higher refresh rates. You got to start making it. That's going to make it so that, you know, yep. gentle market price. So basically, sure, the sure. bottom of the RTX price points are a thousand bucks. If I want to spend, Less than a yes. thousand, I get GTX. If I just want to spend more than a thousand, I'm probably going to get RTX. Is that right? Boom. Cool. And the difference between GTX and RTX is ray tracing. Yeah, it is. So That's right. You need RTX for ray tracing. Uh, another cool thing about displays before we get into the new Max Q changes is NVIDIA says that in addition to every RTX laptop having 144 hertz this, uh, display option, they are working with many manufacturers to make 300 hertz widely available. They say there are now 25 plus designs coming, panels, including <laughs> a couple we saw today being the Razer Blade had it, uh, the Acer Triton 500 had it. I think there was another one, but there's going to be 25 plus. So 300 hertz GeForce gaming laptops are not going to be the new normal, but pretty damn close to it. What kind of panels are we talking about? What technology? Uh, yeah. They didn't get into that. I don't have it off the top of my head. It's probably v- they're probably VA. That would be my guess. Yeah, right. yeah. I think that's what's in the existing ones like that. So, but I don't know if there's something different. But that would be my guess as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that's cool. Hey, there's new new GeForce parts. Cool, awesome. You know, faster screens, more powerful GPUs. That's great. But to me, the more interesting part actually is the new version of NVIDIA Max Q. So if you don't know what Max Q is. It's basically NVIDIA, uh, uh, their branding for a bundle of technologies that makes it so their graphics cards, their graphics chips in laptops are much more energy efficient. That's a big part of what enables all these five pound and less laptops that we've been seeing. Max-Q is a big part of that. It got introduced last generation with GTX 10 series. Uh, all these new laptop designs have a new generation of Max-Q that have some really cool things in them. Uh, 100 plus total designs, like we were saying earlier. Uh, NVIDIA actually says this version of Max Q can be up to twice as efficient as previous generations, which is kind of wishy washy in a sense because that includes energy efficiencies from deep learning super sampling 2.0, DLSS 2.0, which we talked about last week. Super exciting stuff. Looks like great technology. Right now, it's only available in four games. So. If it rolls out more in more games, uh, it could make a big difference. But for now, factoring that in, it's like, eh, you know, you can't really get that in a lot of games. Yeah, but I, I will say that. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was going to say that 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 was definitely some, you know, benchmarking on NVIDIA's part. And Intel also seemed to do it this launch, too, because, yep. hey, here's here's a, a core i7 you know eight core versus you know a, a three-year-old laptop or here's a core i7 you know and then for what nvidia did too is they sort of like hey these max q parts which i'm still very impressed by if they can get where they want but there's a huge it looks like something like what 60 percent faster or something but that counts dlss into yep. i sort of see i do want to see how well those max q parts do versus previous gen because they're saying it's 
going to be a really good, you know, it's going to be not as far as a, as a gap as it used to be. You had sort of standard, you know, uh, RTX, GTX, and then you had Max-Q, RTX, GTX, and it was a big gulf between the, the 2080 and the 2080 Max-Q. So I'm, I'm hoping this really does get it close. Yeah, before it was basically like whatever chip that you had, it was like moving a step down for the Max-Q version. Mm-hmm. So if you had a 2080, yeah. it performed like a 2080. If you had a 2080 Max-Q, it performed basically like a 2070. Yeah. So it was, I, it was, it was yeah. noticeable. But so they baked in a bunch of really cool stuff to improve that efficiency in these new Max Q versions. Uh, starting at the very, very basic technical level, they include lower voltage GDR6 memory and a next gen voltage regulator to improve overall efficiency. Uh, who cares? That's technical stuff. But it does make a big difference. Uh, in a brief with journalists, they said that a typical Max Q part that gets 80 watts of power allowed to it. 25% of that power allocation is to power the memory. And on top of that, another 15% is pure voltage loss from heat, it's heat dissipation. So by improving those two subsystems, it means you have more actual power that you can have giving to the GPU to increase your performance. So it sounds like a silly little marketing thing, but that actually, they didn't get into details about how much more efficient these things are. It could be minuscule, but any improvements they can make there Yep. directly means your games will be faster. So that's great. Even more interesting to me, Mark was talking earlier about AMD's uh, Smart Shift, which basically in Ryzen 4000 laptops with Radeon GPUs, they can talk to each other over the AMD's Infinity Fabric and dynamically allocate where power is going. Uh, so like, if you're playing a game, you need a lot more GPU power, then the GPU could take more power and the CPU will take away from that it'll give it up to give it to the gpu uh dynamic boost is basically nvidia's version of that uh oh pardon me sorry so yeah it's basically nvidia's version of that so now uh it takes new hardware it takes either a ryzen 4000 laptop or it takes one of these new 10th gen intel laptops but when they're paired with these new nvidia max q parts frame by frame in games, like that granularly, they can tell what needs more. So if your game is in a very GPU-intensive scene, but it's not super CPU-intensive, it can take 15% of the power away from your CPU, give it to your GPU instead, and now all of a sudden your frame rate's a little bit better. Vice versa, it also works if if it's detecting that your CPU is using a little bit more juice, like if you're playing an open-world game or whatever, or like Civilization or whatnot. And your GPU is kind of like hanging around waiting for your CPU that it can, it can give up power to the CPU so that like smart shift, you know, the power in your system is going where it's needed, which is really cool. I think that works out great for this. There's a similar technology in the consoles that are going to be using that. Uh, practically it can give you about up to 10% more performance in games, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that can mean the difference between one classic graphics card and another classic graphics card on the lower end. So, like a five uh, RX five eighty to a RX five ninety was ten percent difference, roughly. So, that's great. You're getting more stuff for free, more performance for free. It's gonna vary greatly depending on the game and the scene and the particular frame game because it's all very reactive, but. I'm just glad that this kind of technology sounds like it's going to be the new norm going forward for pretty much all gaming laptops. 
You know, it's interesting too. Is uh, in for AMD Smart Shift, they're saying, "Oh, about ten percent more or so in gaming." So that's apparently what it is. So I. I oh, go ahead. Now I have some questions when <laughs> when you've done making your point. When you're done making. Your I point. Just, I, so I I thought it was very interesting because you know everybody's been doing this. Um, I'm going to veer off, and I, I do think could we all agree on a standard for all three players to do this? But actually more interesting to me talking about max Q and the efficiency is that Asus G14 that had a 2060 max Q that was every bit as fast, if not faster than standard max standard 2060 laptops uh, we've taken a look at. And um, a lot of people thought, well, it's because, you know, AMD gives you just a better thermal budget because the CPU is using so much less power. So the GPU can run a potter. I didn't want to commit to that because I don't know. I I kind of wonder if this is this is yeah. the effect of Nvidia's brand new GeForce you know uh, Max Q technology. That again, a, a twenty sixty Max Q, you know, with that cooler running G, uh, Ryzen four thousand is it's as fast as as a standard you know Max P twenty sixty. So I do wonder if that's it, uh, if that's what's doing it. So I have some questions regarding this. So who controls the distribution of power? Because, I mean, if the GPU wants power and the CPU wants power, who decides which gets who, who gets what? Uh, that question was actually asked. Uh, the answer is apparently it's very freaking complicated. It involves <laughs> the systems have to be tuned for it. It's at the hardware level. It's at the driver level. It's hmm. everything all talking back and forth and just adjusting on the fly. They wouldn't get much more specific than that other than it's incredibly complicated. These systems need to be tuned to support this. Uh, that being said, they expect the vast majority of 10th gen GeForce gaming laptops to include this. And what's yeah. the latency involved in shifting the power over? Because it seemed like um, I was a smart step. I think it was that what AMD had, um, you know, it, it got incrementally better through successive generations where they reduced the latency and so forth. So, I mean, if we're talking about the sort of same improvements over time, it might be starting out fairly granular and then improve. Yeah. They didn't get that. They didn't get that far into the details. Yeah. Uh, I think the lack of availability and supply chain issues, I think, Ideally, we would be testing these right now, right? We would have that answer for ourselves. But yeah, I think it's just the world's in a weird place right now. But it is also weird too, because no way in hell does could you imagine Intel saying we're going to give you the reins so you can turn make our CPU run slower so your GPU can go faster. That's right. Yep. How about you letting us control your GPU to turn that speed down? And you know, I I don't know. That's why we'll somebody has to step in here, and there needs to be at least. A uniform way that they can all agree. I guess maybe the laptop makers themselves are the ones that are like, let's all be grown-ups. We're selling this laptop with your part and your part. Let's let's all agree to not step on each other. So but they want to see go ahead. No, okay. I was gonna say that just there 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 almost seems like there has to be a standard, at least informally, uh being bandied about by these laptop makers and the GPU makers. Because I mean, if these all have to be done individually, I mean that's a huge waste of engineering talent unless you have some sort of series of best practices or some sort of some sort of standardized procedure for making this happen because otherwise you're going to be spending way too much unnecessary time with each manufacturer just doing that tuning process i think i think behind the scenes they probably are working pretty closely together because one they both announced this at the same time for a reason right there has to be some level of that uh two part of the reason it needs new hardware is not just that they need to be able to talk to each other the cpu and the gpu on a hardware level 
the the laptop makers who are making these laptops need to build in extra power protections because before they had the flat 80 watts say for a max q gpu now it can go up to over 100 if it takes 15 watts from the cpu or vice versa so they've had to like completely redesign the way these systems work nobody got that nitty gritty into the details but i i think there's there's probably quite a lot of talking going on i wonder what happens uh, I was going to say, I wonder what happens if Intel makes the uh, Z a success and <laughs> all of a sudden if it makes a success, it's like, oh, you know, we used to love you, NVIDIA, but, you know, now we've got our own solution. So, you know. And, and look, it's, that's a very real concern because uh, KB Lake G did this exact same feature. That was one of the cool features of KB right. Lake G is you had an Intel KB Lake quad core with a, a, a Radeon sort of Vega graphics and the they control the thermals for the total thing so they could increase the power where needed. That's all awesome. And then they started doing Z and we didn't ever see a driver update for those uh, Radeon, those KB Lake Gs for 14 months or something like that. So even though that was a great partnership, you can see the effect of that partnership falling apart and directly hurting the the consumer in the end, you know? That might be where... AMD smart shift kind of has an advantage here because that's yeah, all controlled exactly. by AMD. So they, right. they have no horse in the game aside from, we just want this thing to kick ass as much as possible. Right. Uh, I'm not sure how smart shift is implemented. I'm not sure they got into the details, but another potential, you know, ACE for them would be dynamic boost. This new feature with NVIDIA Max Q uh, only hooks into DirectX and Vulkan for now. Mm. So this, this, you know, auto rejiggering only happens if you're gaming. If you're, if you're doing video editing or anything else like that, it's it's not going to work. Yeah, SmartShift is, isn't implemented that way. It's I get the feeling it's closer to what Intel did with KB Lake G, and that is you need more performance for a heavy CPU encode. You get more performance. For, you know, We steal power from the, the GPU to give it to the, the CPU in that case. If you need more for the GPU, you get it for the GPU. So in the, in the illustration of that is uh, AMD showed performance gains in both you know, Cinebench, all cores, and then also in gaming, you know, 10 to 12% roughly. So Dynamic Boost can't do that. Uh, dynamic Boost theoretically works with any of these new processors, including lower power U-class Intel chips. Uh, that being said, don't really expect to see that because one, most gaming laptops have H-class chips anyway, and two, U-class chips only typically have about 15 watts of power to give, so there's not much room for adjustment either way. There. So, But it could, theoretically, if somebody wanted to make a Max-Q U-class gaming laptop, they could. This works with all the new chips, both Ryzen and Intel. Uh, yeah. But it will require the new new Lucas laptops. This won't be getting backported. This is a new feature for new laptops going forward. Same and thing it, with it's Max not Q. just it's not just the supers either. It's the all of these new chips: the GTX sixteen fifty, the sixteen sixty Ti, the twenty sixteen, the twenty seventy. They're still getting these new Max Q improvements as well. So all these new laptops with any of those GeForce cards, they'll have this in it. Yeah, and you can't, uh, uh, you know, sad face. If you have an existing Max Q laptop, this is not a driver firmware update. This no, is no. hardware. So the only way to get this is to buy a new laptop. So no, you can't get it. Which is a bummer, but it's needed for something like this. I can totally understand. I'm glad to see both AMD and NVIDIA and Intel, all three of them, uh, starting to move towards stuff like this. I think it's super smart for closed systems like laptops and consoles. So, you know. 
hopefully it all works right and happy to see it. It'd be nice if there was like a Max Q Plus branding or something of that sort. Because it sounds like this new generation. Well, I, I hate Nick's it's confusing. Is I mean, but it sounds like this new branding is this new uh, this new upgrade is substantial. Uh, it would be nice to be able to tell consumers that. You know, someone, and, asked, someone asked about that in the briefing, and Nvidia's like, "You just ask ask Lenovo and all the other makers. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the ones who have to communicate that." I don't think that's going to happen because they can't no. even brand max q correctly and that's not <laughs> and i don't know really who's at fault here because i talked to pc makers and they pointed nvidia and i talk nvidia they pointed the pc makers but you'll get laptops who will say well it's got a 2080 in it it's max q oh of course it's it's too thin to be a, a full power part but well then why don't you call it 2080 max q well we don't need to tell you that because you can assume that it's like no you can't <laughs> you just say it's it's max q that was that's actually been a legitimate conversation I have had with multiple people. I'll bet. Yep, I dislike it, but yes, I agree. I always say what it is. That's my opinion. Uh, speaking of saying what it is, you gotta say if you support the new advanced Optimus feature for MassQ laptops, because this is one that laptop makers have to choose to implement. But it sounds freaking amazing, and I hope a lot of them do do it on high end gaming laptops. So. Optimus is NVIDIA's power saving technology. Basically, it's, it's been around for a while. Whenever you're not gaming or whatever, you know, integrated graphics kick in, take over, and, you know, you use less power when you're not actively gaming. The problem to this point is that if you have a gaming laptop with a G-Sync panel, G-Sync only works when the NVIDIA GeForce GPU is active. So you had to pick your poison. You could have G-Sync and it was freaking kick ass when you're gaming on a laptop with G-Sync. It's amazing. But it's going to die on you real quick. Because even when you're just, you know, doing a Word document, browsing the web, that GeForce GPU is always active. It's been a real bummer. Uh, Advanced Optimus redesigns things from the ground up, puts a dynamic Mm -hmm. display switch in the middle. And basically... When you're gaming, it switches to the GeForce GPU 100%, and then when you're not gaming, flips it back over to the integrated graphics. So now Optimus can kick in when you're not gaming. It's running on the integrated graphics. You know, you boot up a game, the display switch will real quickly switch it over to the GeForce GPU. G-Sync works. Everything you want to work with your NVIDIA GPU now works. It's having your cake and eating it too. Hallelujah. This is taking way too long. It's here. Yeah, it seems uh, like something that should have been should have been in there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it has I think not it's, been. It's yeah. just a limitation of of the technology because I mean, from doing the testing, Optimus laptops are great for battery life, um, but you couldn't get G Sync, and yeah. G Sync was great for uh, adaptive sync or you know variable refresh rates, but it was terrible for battery life. So now you get and, both. And I, I think it actually held back the adoption of G Sync in laptops. Because for a while there, when G-Sync first came to laptops, we were seeing several of them that came out with it. And, you know, they kick ass. G-Sync kicks ass. Uh, but then they started going away after a bit. Once these higher refresh rate panels started coming out, instead of G-Sync, we started seeing a lot more 144 hertz screens without G-Sync. And I think that's probably because every one of these G-Sync monitors, uh, G-Sync laptops, didn't get stellar reviews because you had to write, yeah, but this thing dies after an hour if you're off the yeah. wall. So hopefully well, this will make it so both truths exist. I love it. It's going to show up first in the Lenovo Legion 7, but NVIDIA expects many more to come out soon. 
Yeah, and I think it was also there, a lot of the resistance I had heard from PC makers is like, you know, when you've got an eight pound laptop, G Sync is awesome. You're not going to really carry it around, but you've got that. You're, we're down to like four and a half pound laptops that you might actually carry with you. So mm-hmm. they actually they get they go like users want decent battery life when they're not mm-hmm. gaming when they're not plugged into the wall. So they had to leave G Sync behind because there's no option. I will say. MSI and Asus did try these sort of patch uh, fixes where you could reboot the machine into the BIOS, change it from G-Sync to Optimus, and then boot back into the the OS, and it would do it. But I think um, the resistance from people to that was, you know what, nobody's ever going to do that. They're they're never going to do it, and then they're going to get complaints about it, like, how come battery life is bad? You're going to get a call. So this really, I think, is a it's a big step forward. I'm I'm with you, Brad. This is a huge step forward for both Optimus and G-Sync. This is actually this one little silly specific needs to be consciously implemented feature of all the announcements today. This is the one I'm most excited about. So <laughs> that's how much. Well, there's I, useful. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually. It's funny because I I can say now, but I saw. G4 Super Laptops at CES. No, I won't tell you who showed it to me in uh, mm-hmm. NVIDIA. I saw them. We discussed it. And remember, I was like, well, what the hell? We got them. It's in front of each other in your hand. Why don't you, like, why can't we talk about it? And I realize now, because back then, it just seemed like, oh, it's just super. What a big deal, right? It's just you're, you already have these existing Turing parts, putting me in laptop. You know, who cares? Not a big deal. But the fact that you've got advanced Optimus, you've got these, you know, improved Max-Q. I mean, there's just so much baked into this announcement from NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand why they held us now because that's actually, it's a it's a big leap forward for everything yep. for them. And advanced Optimus, it's going to work up into 4K, 120 hertz screens. Lenovo's Legion 5i and 7i are going to be the first. Good stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, I can see why they took the time to get this right. It's a shame that they're launching all this cool stuff at a time when people aren't going to spend much money, probably. That's but true. I love the technology. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the lower cost, getting a 2064 grand. and Yeah, that's great. You know, there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of people are, I can tell you from talking with laptop makers, everybody's buying every single laptop they can sell. So, and a yep. lot of those factories, uh, MSI was pointing out like, hey, our factory is up and running 100%, I think. And maybe 100% is me saying it, but they are up and running. They're cranking them out. A lot of these laptops are going to be coming out April, May. They will be available, and everybody wants a laptop right now. So, Yeah, I mean, I think there is a question about supply. Um, I know that for a fact that, uh, you know, in talking to my contacts, um and sources and so forth i mean you know this this microsoft surface was expected to watch the surface book three and the surface go Two at the end of the month or uh sometime and uh they they had to push it out because they didn't have enough supply to to justify actually announcing it so i'm hoping that when we see designs being announced that we're going to see the supply to back it up with but um you know for at least it's i'm i'm hoping that we're, that we're going to see that i mean it sounds like it sounds like you're not. It sounds like you wouldn't announce it without being able to deliver it, and I hope that's the case. I'm just a little bit concerned that we are going to see shortages, not because of laptop manufacturers uh, under you know overpromising and under delivering, but just because of the fact that there are some hiccups in the supply chain. Um, I do worry about such things. I just I, I don't know if they're going to materialize or not. Yeah, and the, definitely the feeling I got was if your factory happened to be in an area that you know, wasn't affected or is back online, 
good for you. If your factory was in an area that wasn't back online, bad for you. And then those are kind of hard to predict things about it is uh, you might might get 95% of your parts that are fine. And then the 5% of that one part that you spec'd in that laptop, you can't get. That's going to hold up the whole thing. Um, But I also, I have heard sort of like, they do think that basically having all of China shut down for what, a month and a half, Mm -hmm. that actually is kind of been a benefit a little bit for intel because now sort of that you know they've had that tightness of 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 cpu being able to fulfill cpus sort of that sort of backed up and now they're able to 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 get them into other laptops so they think it actually sort of helps the overall supply Uh, in addition speaking of supply in addition to you know all these geforce laptops that we're talking about NVIDIA also announced 10 new rtx studio laptops so those are the ones that are creator focused with like nice panels Focus on portability. They have to have Max Q. Uh, rather than getting into all those, they also have creation focus NVIDIA Studio drivers. So there are 45 different apps that have been optimized for ray tracing and creation. Uh, NVIDIA Studio drivers base their updates around those rather than games. That's all part of RTX Studio. There are 10 new laptops coming out with 10th gen core processors and RTX Super GPUs. Uh, rather than get into all those, I'm going to say, Go check it out on PCWorld.com because uh, we got to get out of here in 10 minutes and I want to make sure we have some time for questions if there are any. Yeah, uh, we actually have one uh, uh, around this to kind of finish off this. Uh, Lakshay was asking, uh, there wasn't any mention of a 2060 Super 115 watt in the announcement, even though there was uh, in leaks. Any chance of it coming to reality? There is no 26, RTX 2060 Super is exactly what NVIDIA said during the briefing. We asked specifically about, so is there a 2060 Super 2? They said, no, there's not. So it might come in the future, they were, but for right now, it does not exist. And I would think if it did exist, they would announce it now. So, Cool. Okay. Then, uh, yeah, get, get your, uh, your questions into the chat. Uh, but as always, we have a, a question section on the Fulner Discord. There's a link to it in the description. You should hop on there. It's, it's pretty fun. Uh, so earlier on YouTube, uh, Dennis Siberian was asking, uh, do you guys use any third-party software to manage your storage and hard drives, or do you use the uh, built-in Windows utilities? I just stick with Windows. Yeah, I'm, I'm a simple man with simple needs. <clears throat> I've had the worst luck with uh, external NAS units, and they always go belly up for me. I've got a closet full of dead ones. I still haven't gotten the data off of. I basically, on builds for family members, I put a second drive and I just set it to automatically back up to that drive. And I create an image on a disk or USB and I put it in that machine for that day when it might come, when it blows up and I need to restore from that backup yeah. drive. I mean, I use a second drive as well. I mean, I, I have had the good fortune or bad luck, however you want to put it, to to, to really... Uh, have some my greatest i guess some really great experiences when i was young before like smart cam smartphone cameras were a thing so i mean i <laughs> i mean i went to traveling in europe when i had like those stupid little disc film cameras so <laughs> all my memories of those are just like they're obliterated i mean they only exist in my head so i've been trying to make sure that um what I do have is stored on a backup hard drive as well as in the cloud. Um, and that's, that's about as far as I go. I mean, I could put things in a DVD, but you know, it just seems like my 
USB DVD writer drive seems to be floating around my office and probably be stepped on at some future time or something of that sort. So, I mean, you know, from that standpoint, I'm just kind of trusting in the cloud and my own backup hard drives to save a bacon. We, we do on PC world, we have guides. If you want to use storage mm-hmm. stuff, we have, we've yeah. reviewed and rated, you know, the best storage backup storage things and the best cloud storage things. Uh, personally, I just use an external drive. Uh, a tool that I really use a lot that isn't really for backups, but helps me manage my storage is called Winterstat. It's a free or donation. Oh, I love where that. You run it and it tells you where all your storage is going, mm. big colored blocks. So my issue playing a lot of games is that so, sometimes I won't open Origin for six months and I'll forget that I have 100 gigabytes worth of games on there. So I'm like, man, I really want to fit Red Dead Redemption on my, my hard drive. How am I going to do this? And so you just boot up Winterstat, and it'll pop up, and it'll say, hey, you still got Madden installed in Origin. You're like, oh, yeah, I freaking have Madden still installed. I'm going to go delete that right now. It's, it's a wonderful tool. Go check it out. Uh, cool. Uh, over on uh, Twitch, uh, we had a question from uh, Real Elite Agent. Uh, which do you prefer for competitive gaming, the Strix 1660 Ti or the Asus Dual 2060? There's a $40 difference, and they want to know. tricks if you're talking about pure raw frame rates in competitive gaming you're going to want to get the 2060 uh the strix is a great custom design of a graphics card uh that it has a lot of great quality of life features it has an awesome super quiet cooler it has like a hardware button to turn on and off rgb lights it has a fan controller in there so you can point a fan right at it uh None of that matters to frame rates. None of that matters for competitiveness. If you're looking for pure, give me the frame so I can shoot somebody that much faster. I would get the 2060, even though the dual isn't as full featured you know, all around as the Strix is. Cool. Uh, the next one uh, comes in on Discord from Vegetable Stew uh, about the, the Intel topic earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they need clarity. Uh, has Intel been using the same physical die slash chip for their mobile parts as those on the desktop? They need a quick history lesson so they can understand. Um, well, if we're talking about these particular parts versus what Intel's put on the desktop, I mean, these are, these are definitely different. I mean, these are, uh, what Intel announced this week was a 14 nanometer part and what they've done on the desktop was 10 nanometers. So, um, there's some basic physical differences there. Um, it's not like, um, I don't really think there's, uh, it seems like, uh, for example, with what with Brad was talking about with the NVIDIA parts, there's a much more direct comparison between what they've got on the, um, the desktop versus the mobile stuff. Um, and Brad can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's clock speed differences, but the functionality is essentially the same. Um, on the CPU side of things, there's just much, much starker differences between the two. Okay, cool. And they, and they are, you know, I think to be fair, I mean, they're obviously very similar cores, right? It's mm-hmm. the same basic sort of cores, but even from eighth gen to ninth gen to tenth gen, they are all very similar, but they continue to bake in mitigations into the latest cores true. generally, right. right? So there are, you do pick up those fixes that hopefully solve the security issues. So they're not exactly the same. And they're a little bit faster, you know. All those, all those yep. little tweaks are what able to make it faster. So, 
Yeah. And, you know, Intel will also probably throw dies, you know, for high voltage at desktop, whereas, you know, the efficiency, they need way more efficiency in, in laptops. So it may be, you know, they're, they, sh- they shunt all those parts towards this line. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, it unfortunately looks like we ran out of time. Sorry. Uh, people will, will definitely get to the, the other questions later. We've obviously been doing a lot of streaming, so uh, we'll, we'll be back sooner rather than later to, uh, to finish yeah. those up. So Gordon, why don't you, question uh, addition. yeah, yeah, we should, we should, uh, Gordon, why don't you take us out? All right. Check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please also leave a review. Every time you do the Oakland Raiders win one game every 10 years, send questions and comments to the full nerd. At PCWorld.com, thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Adios, y'all. Mark Hawkman. Stay the F home. <laughs> and uh, Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the yeah, off switch. To, to what Mark said. I like that. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>